Welcome to Out of the Box Performance, a place where we interview people who think and perform outside of the box, a place for inspiration, information, and community. I'm here, your hostess with the mostess, Dominique Doyle, performance psychologist, ready to take you on a journey. So buckle on in and let's go. Welcome to Out of the Box Performance Podcast, Episode 3. Today we have a really special guest on, Courtney Gerrity. So you may have seen her featured in my Instagram post. She's always doing some funny videos with me or sharing some information. So although she has so many amazing personal qualities, we're going to really hone in on a few things today. And that is we're going to ask Courtney a little bit about her history and her journey on becoming an elite sprinter. We're also going to look at her top tips for aspiring athletes from her journey and her experience and her wisdom and because Courtney is super humble and she won't tell you this herself I'm going to give you a bit of a rundown of some of her pretty notable achievements one being that she's a national level sprinter for Australia and has been competing since being a junior she has run a world best time in a 400 meter relay at national level And she has represented Australia in sprinting internationally on multiple occasions, all sorts of countries. So Courtney, let's get straight into it. Tell us a little bit about who Courtney is. Where did you grow up? Who are you? Just going straight into the existential. (laughs) Well, that was a nice intro, Dom. (laughs) Thank you for that long intro. And yeah, you know me too well. I definitely won't. I don't like to touch on my achievements and what I've done in my career. So thank you for doing that for me. Ultimate chair girl. Of course. (laughs) Always. So who am I? Well, I am Courtney, as Dom just said. Um, I'm a sprinter. I'm a 200 meter, 400 meter sprinter. And I've been running since I was eight years old. So a long, long time. I just loved to run when I was a kid. And yeah, I I liked going fast. Like everything I did, I went fast. So yeah, mum and dad put me into little athletics when I was a young kid because they couldn't control my running. So I ran everywhere. I went away from them. So yeah, they put me into it and I never looked back. So eight years old. So you've been running a really long time. How old are you now? I'm I'm guessing maybe 60 something. Yeah, no, I'm definitely 69. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So how old are you now, Courtney? How long have, have you been running for? So I was eight when I started and I'm 26 now. So honestly, forever, my, my whole life. Mm, um, mm. I can't remember anything apart from sprinting or track and field or little athletics. So yeah, I've been doing it forever. Kind of second nature for you now, I, I suppose. Absolutely. I don't know anything else. I can, I can run in a straight line. That's about it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Courtney, tell us a little bit about where you were born and raised. I think that's really interesting for people to hear. Um, yeah, so I was born in Alice Springs in the Northern Territory. If you guys don't know where that is, it's a it's the small little town in the middle of Australia, like right dead smack in the middle. You might know Uluru more than Alice Springs. So that's about a five or six hour drive from Alice Springs. But yeah, I was born and raised there. I lived there forever. So I was, uh, when did I move over? I was 17, I think, when I moved over. So I was there for 17 years and now I'm on the coast and yeah, I love it over here. So tell us a little bit about why you actually moved over to the Sunshine Coast from Alice Springs. So <clears throat> I moved over to the Sunshine Coast to pursue my athletics, my athletics career. I had a coach who was coaching me via correspondence up in Darwin and we were doing a lot of work together, but just pretty much by video and text and calls. And so eventually it got to be a little bit too hard and she set me up with a coach over here. And so kind of met with her over the phone. Yeah, we hit off straight away. 
and it was fantastic. And yeah, so that's pretty much why I moved over here. My whole family moved too, so my mum and my brother and sister. My dad also, but he flies in and out for work. So yeah, we've moved the whole family over, but somewhere we've always wanted to come. So, you know, we holidayed here like all the time, every year for, you know, between two and four weeks at a time. So we always wanted to come over here. So I was kind of that, <laughs> that excuse as to move over here when we did. Not a bad excuse to move over to the Sunshine Coast, that's for sure. Oh, it's much nicer than Alice Springs, I can tell you that. <laughs> and and Courtney, we'll, we'll definitely get into a little bit of that shortly. But what I'd love to know now is at what point did little Courtney decide that she's going to commit to the sport? Did you have a particular moment a particular event that really caught you yes and no I think because I I mean I'll start with a yes I represented Alice Springs at the state championships for the first time when I was nine years old so I got my first taste of what a major competition was like and also my first run on tartan because in Alice Springs it's just a grass oval with lots of holes and bumps in it so it was nice to run on a good track and so that was yeah my first competition as a nine-year-old and so we traveled up to Darwin and you know I pretty much did everything from you know hundreds 200s 400s to hurdles long jump high jump and even sometimes throwing and so it was kind of like a bit of everything but I always liked my sprints I was actually a hurdler to start with <laughs> got a lot of um, achievement trophies and awards Northern Territory's most outstanding hurdler and things like that so I think that competition was something that sparked you know it sparked something inside me and I loved that kind of feeling of competing and running on the tartan track running from a grass to a tartan track you just can't compare it you just feel like you're flying so I'd say that would be my reason why I kind of went oh yeah I think I'm good at this you know I enjoyed it I was good at it I tried lots of other sports and always found myself coming back to just purely sprinting Mm, thank you for that awesome description there court and you know I can almost feel that that feeling there as you describe it it must be so nice to just feel that you're just flying you're soaring you're going so quick um and then I guess you've got that whole combination of really enjoying what you're doing having fun with it knowing that you've actually got the skill set and knowing that you've tried so many different sports and your heart always took you back to sprinting yeah always it I always came back to sprinting I took a little break for a little while but you know I always came back to it I think in that first I haven't actually thought about that first competition for a long time so when you asked me that question I was like oh that was actually really really fun and I remember kind of the feeling of when I kind of went up and you know they called my name out and said you know Courtney Garrity from the uh, from athletics Alice Springs has won the most outstanding hurdle award for blah 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 and I was like Oh, cool. And I can remember that feeling now. And I also remember this picture that I have. Maybe we can put it on the Instagram. But it's little me running fast up the 100 metres straight, my head's backwards. And I'm like, you know, I'm looking up at the sky. I'm I'm not even moving my arms very fast. I wouldn't have even looked like a runner. But, you know, I can just remember it like it was yesterday. What made that event so special for you, do you think, Courtney? Well, one, I had like my mum... My dad and my sister came up too. My, my grandma, my pop from Alice came up as well. Then I had all my family up in Darwin. So I have a lot of family up in Darwin. So they all were there. So that was a special in itself. Little nine-year-old going to their first kind of major competition and their entire family's there. So I think think if I didn't have my family there, my little support crew, I don't think it would have been as memorable as it was. It wasn't really about, you know... I. I pretty much won everything when I was at that first state championships. Apart from the throwing, I'm not a thrower by any means. 
<laughs> um, and long jump, I didn't go too well in long jump or high jump, but all the running stuff I did. So I don't, you know, it wasn't the winning and the medals that made it memorable. It was more the family and the experience, I think. And even as a nine-year-old, I think that's still something that sticks to me today. Has your motivation shifted at all or has um, your, your sort of angle on the sport changed at all from that? Or is that still sort of the fuel to the fire here? Like having people and connection and that fun, that enjoyment. Tell us yeah. a little bit about that, Court. Yeah, look, I think at the end of the day, and I'll touch on this a bit later. I know you're going to ask me all these different questions, but <laughs> um, <laughs> I think having fun is your number one thing. And and for me, even still today, if I'm not having fun while I'm training and competing, then what's the point, you know? Um, so that I think given I had so much fun at that championships, I think um, that's what made it memorable and that's why I remember it. But I think, look, my motivation, yes, it's still my family. It's still to have fun. It's the environment. It's, you know, the atmosphere. It, there's a lot of things I think that motivate me to keep going. But I think like even just trying to, you know, better myself as a person and an athlete is something that motivates me every day. You know, like you can push yourself hard one day and then wake up the next day and push yourself even harder. So I think that constant like, okay, or I ran a PB yesterday, I ran really fast yesterday, but tomorrow I'm going to wake up and I'm going to run faster because, you know, you can constantly push yourself to run a bit faster. And being an individual sport, it's all on you. You know, you're the one who kind of goes, all right, well, I'm going to push myself harder now. So yeah, like improving myself every day and bettering myself all the time is a big motivation as well for me I think. I think Court like just listening to you say that there's just so much that we can explore there there's so much depth to that that we almost could do a future episode just on that just how do individual athletes like actually muster off that motivation to keep going and particularly because well it's only you out there and you're stuck in your head and you know you've got to push yourself to the point I'd imagine where you're having this lactic acid overload you're I mean I've seen you at the end of these like sprints and you're on the ground and you're you're heaving you're you're sometimes throwing up um you've pushed your body to the absolute extreme and for an individual athlete to come up with that sort of motivation to push and push and push and push yourself into these pain thresholds and just find this sort of like latent energy and it's a lot and it's a lot on your shoulders but also that takes a special sort of talent that takes a special type of skill that you obviously have and you've had this for a long long time like you specialize quite early you've got quite a unique story there and I think there's a lot to explore there but is there anything that you know, just to touch on on the surface level, because I know we're going to dive into some of your tips in a second, but is there anything that you would turn to and say that that's your major motivation to keep going in those hard times? Look, like you said, it's not pretty. And a lot of the time it's not pretty. And I don't think that if you watched me kind of train and compete that you go, oh, that looks like fun. (laughs) (laughs) It definitely is not fun. Um, (laughs) It's fun, but it isn't at the same time. So, I mean, I guess what motivates me when it's hard and when I'm pushing myself and I'm feeling like I'm going to die and my legs are going to fall off and, you know, you still got to find that extra couple reps and extra push is just kind of, I mean, you're not to kind of touch on like, you know, not to think about future goals too 
too heavily, but I think in motivate yourself on performance, I always think a little bit more down the lines of, well, if I push myself harder in this session, then it's going to be one step closer to achieving something that I want to achieve, whether that's like a national championships or it's an international team or even just a state state performance. Like it, it doesn't matter what it is, but I think knowing and having that in my head and going, all right, well, if I don't push myself hard today, then I may not make nationals or I may not make that team that I potentially could have if I pushed myself harder. So, I mean, when it's hard, I always think about why I'm doing it. And I mean, that's a whole nother thing, like my why, but yeah, you, I always come back to my why and, you know, am I having fun? So it's kind of like why and if I'm coming back to my eye and I'm like, yep, okay, cool, I'm hitting it. And I'm like, am I having fun? Yep, cool, all right, then I'm going to keep going. Yeah, okay, thanks. Thanks for that insight. That makes a lot of sense. And I think we'll explore that why maybe a little bit more in depth um, as we explore these questions. I've already taken up a big chunk of your intro in asking you all these questions. I want to give it back to you. I want to give you the that spotlight because, you know, you've got so much, so much interesting and inspiring information to share with us. And I'd love to just start off with Courtney what is your first tip for the aspiring athlete so my first tip would be so don't let anyone tell you you can't do something because you are capable of anything you set your mind to and I think that's super important for a junior athlete a senior athlete a master's athlete or even an everyday person yeah I think that's my that'd be my first tip to give to up-and-coming people up-and-coming athletes or persons yeah thanks Court so have you got any sort of wisdom that you've drawn that from or any experiences that you've gone through that have sort of shaped that for you all right so like coming from Alice Springs you know I was I was I'm not going to sound I'm going to sound really cocky right now but I was very good (laughs) I was very good I would absolutely dominate the Alice Springs Athletics Club through my sprinting even all the way up to my 800 meters and so along the way I had people who would kind of you know tell me like you're not going to be good at you're not going to be good you're not going to succeed you know you'll never make it to that next level you're always going to just be like okay You, you won't progress from here and I I think I had a lot of those people in my life through my athletics career and at a very young age as well who would just constantly tell me like you're never going to make it or you can't do it. I'll give you an example it's probably a terrible example (laughs) Um, but I was at nationals I can't remember the year but at that championships I was doing a 400 and an 800 I'd qualified for both events. I injured myself in the 400 final on you know the day before the 800 meter heat and I remember my coach at the time he kind of looked at me when I finished and he was kind of like looking at me as if to say what the heck was that you just lost type thing and like you know he was very disappointed he literally turned around and walked away anyway I couldn't find him anywhere and and eventually he said you know you can't you can't run like that like he didn't even hear me out or, or like you know listen to me when I was telling him kind of you know what happened what I was feeling like what I potentially did I was only young and it would be my first it was my first injury and he said if you run like that tomorrow you're never going to be you're never going to make that final you're never going to be good enough and I was just kind of like oh and anyway I had to go and see a physio because the at the time you know you have to be cleared to run and all this stuff and went and saw the physio and she said you know I think you've done this and that and I was like oh my goodness well I still want to run tomorrow you know and she's like oh I don't think you'll be able to and again I'm like don't tell me that I can't do it you know even though they're medical people so I had my coach at the time say you're not going to be able to do it you're never going to make it had the physio telling me like no you're not going to be able to run and anyway the next day I woke up and I was so sore and like I knew that I'd done damage I couldn't even walk properly but I said to the team manager at the time I said look I know what you're going to say and I know you're going to tell me not to do this but I need to do this I need to prove to myself and to the others that I can do this you know and at least if I can't do it I need to try 
So I put on my shoes, I got myself ready, I prepared myself as if I was going to race that 800 meter heat and I went out to the warm up track and I couldn't even jog, like I, there was no way. So I, they said, you know, if you want to run, then you have to jog two laps and you have to do that comfortably. And so what did I do? I jogged two laps. <laughs> no way yeah it wasn't pretty it wasn't pretty but I was proving to them like the critics and also to myself that I tried you know and you know I always from that point in time I know that's probably terrible because I was injured and I was being told that I had done damage I still had that like feeling as if the you know or that thought to say don't let anyone tell you you can't do it at least try and if you fail then at least you've given it everything and you know you couldn't give any more and I guess on that note too is like you owned your choices there and I think you could probably look back and go oh maybe (laughs) maybe I should have listened to the professionals there because I'm guessing you did further damage but (laughs) (laughs) I still would have done the same thing to be honest (laughs) oh yeah yeah I'm not (laughs) Yeah, But I think the key message there is like, is really special chord. I think it's coming back to, you know, don't let anyone else get in the way of your dreams. And if you've got big dreams, like do anything to make it there. And, and of course that example is probably, you know, don't go and try that at home Um, (laughs) (laughs) or at at the athletics track. Yeah. Listen to medical advice. Don't do what Courtney did, but (laughs) take those special messages and the wisdom. I have no doubt that you continue to have that now. You know, you don't let anyone get in the way of your dream with your sprinting hmm. have you still got that same sort of passion there like you used to um yes i do i think i went through a little bit of a stage in the last kind of 12 months or so where i kind of lost that fire in my belly a little um it was still there but it was like it was only dimming it wasn't burning so i think i've just in the last kind of probably two or three months got that fire burning again and i found my passion again i think it all comes down to you know having the right support network having the right people in your corner and then changing your mindset too because I was a little bit kind of I I had injuries and things like that so I was kind of like oh you know and you know obviously COVID and all that happened in this time as well so it was kind of like a big deep dark hole that I was in I had to kind of grab myself and pull myself back out of it but yeah no definitely I still have that same passion and that still kind of drives me to not let anyone tell me that I can't do something because you know, I mean, if you tell me that I can't do something, I'm going to just do it anyway and I'm going to try. I think that's, I mean, that's my biggest asset, but it's also like one of the worst things I could probably do as well because a lot of the time I really don't listen to people who I should listen to and that's like physios and doctors. <laughs> um, but I think as an athlete, I think a lot of athletes would agree that they we all push, push our barriers a bit, you know, we all push the line and ride the line and if someone says, oh, you might have something here, but, you know, you might be okay, then you go, all right, I'm definitely okay. But yeah, no, definitely passion is still still there and the fire's burning brightly. And I guess it to some respect, to make it to that elite level, you have to kind of push that pain threshold mentally, physically, psychologically. It's almost like you break yourself down to get back up or, you know, you, you see the hard days and you walk towards them where naturally like we're kind of designed to walk away from those and to prevent pain, to prevent, you know, threat systems rising. <laughs> mm-hmm. so I guess that puts you in a fine line of you know the physio said xyz I'm so used to pushing a pain threshold I need to listen to my body I also need to listen to this advice like what do I you know what do I do and what am, what am I reading here you know yeah. 
Yeah, and I think as you get older and you have more experience through whatever sport it is you're doing and the longer you're in it, you do learn to listen and, you know, you, you know your body and you'll, you'll know when it's not quite right and you'll know what good and bad pain is. And I think, you know, at the end of the day, don't push yourself through a bad injury, especially if you know the pain is different. I've done that a fair few times and it's, you know, I've only just like in the last kind of, I don't know, a few years really kind of gone, all right, I know when I'm going to be pushing myself to a point of injury and I know which is good and what's bad. So with it, like with experience comes knowing, I guess. And I mean, that's a point in itself, isn't it? Experience comes with knowing. (laughs) (laughs) But we'll have to add that to our next list of points. (laughs) So Court, if you could just summarize that main point you just gave, what would that be what's your point and what's kind of your take-home message there I think I guess like if you want to do something do it Mm. you know if you if you have any kind of belief that you can do something do it like have a go because you may not get that chance again so you know if you if you believe in yourself even that slight bit just own it own it and and you know believe in yourself more than you were before because yeah you're capable of anything that you set your mind to and that's I know that's very cliche but you really are because a mindset is something that if you change your mindset you can achieve anything that's a really cool court and you know we only have now you know again cliche but we only have now that's all that we're certain about so if you're you're considering something you're on the fence to something if something's in your mind right now as we're talking about it and it's niggling at you that could be your little hint to maybe go and give it a go have Courtney's voice in your head Exactly, exactly, yeah. Yeah, but just if it's a niggling thing that says go and run a race, even though my physio said you have done damage, (laughs) don't listen to Courtney's voice. Don't do that. That is bad advice and do not take my advice on board. (laughs) (laughs) Courtney, let's jump to our second, well, not ours, your second point. What is Courtney Garrity's second point? So number two, and I think all these points that I'm making, they all kind of tie into one and I think, the last point that I make, which I'll get to soon, just summarizes it all. But the second point would be, remember to have fun, believe and trust in yourself and your abilities because you are the person who controls that. That's awesome. Have you got any any further elaboration to those points? I can tell you like a story of back from when I was, how this kind of stuck to me a little bit, I guess. I was, I can't remember how old I was. I probably was between 13 and 15 years old I think and I I had a coach at the time who grabbed me and because I was living in Alice Springs there's not many coaching opportunities there um and so he said to my mum and dad at the time because I was only 13 so I'm only young still and he said I want to coach your daughter I think that I can take her you know all the way and I'm the man for you essentially and there was no one else there so he was pretty much all we had so you know mum and dad were like okay all right let's do it do you like him I'm like yeah he seems all right he's got a good squad of athletes they're all older than me so I think they're all about 17 18 or 19 even maybe a little bit older I didn't realize and neither did mum and dad that he was actually a distance coach so he coached distance athletes and I'm talking like 5,000 meters like (laughs) 10,000 meters like like I know that's not ultra marathon running but it's still distance in my opinion and on the track when you're running that fast it's a it's a long way so he grabbed me and I got picked up in this talent squad for the Northern Territory Athletics and I got picked up as a 
sprinter. So I was a speed athlete. And then for 12 months, I disappeared, essentially, so that I was gone off their radar. And they had no idea where I went because I didn't compete for that long. I didn't, I wasn't, you know, it was just I was disappeared. And they were like, oh, she must have left the sport. Anyway, I remember training with him and the squad. And I liked the squad and I liked the people that I was training with. So I was still having fun there with those guys. But I hated going to training. I hated, you know, going for long runs and, you know, we'd run on the trails and like back then I'm like, I don't want to run on the trails like it's too far. And he'd like make me do like hill running and like all sorts of things. And like even on the track, it wasn't really speed work. It was, I mean, I was running slow in the big scheme of things compared to what I would would or should have been running. So I remember just hating that. And that went on for some, like a few years there because again, there was no one there. And it wasn't until I said to mum, I said, mum, I don't want to run like 1500s anymore I don't want to run 5k's you know although I was good at it I just didn't like it I didn't enjoy it and so mum then we we kind of had a meeting with him and we said look she wants to start running 400s and he was like oh she's not going to be good at that like straight out like no way no she's not a speed athlete she's she's a distance runner I'm going to make her into like this flash 8 1500 meter runner but he didn't know at the time that even an 800 meter runner has to be fast so anyway after like a little bit of a long chat and a couple of arguments there. He agreed that I could train for 400s. He didn't know how to train me for 400s, so I still didn't enjoy training. But it was after I went, I, I ended up, you know, pushing myself. I trained a little bit, like, on my own, apart, like, outside of his squad to try and, like, really hone in on my speed. And I got training for blocks and starts and all that stuff from a sprinter who was in Alice. And, and then I went to States and then I qualified for nationals in the 400. So it was a 4.8 and that was the same year that I qualified for the 4.8. And I went to nationals and I hurt myself and then I kept running. So it was the same thing. And anyway, after that, I was like, no, I'm not doing this anymore. Like after I've gone to nationals, I'm not running long distance anymore. And I was, I had, have, I'd had enough. So because I wasn't enjoying it, I wasn't having fun. I just didn't believe that I was good enough to be a distance runner I didn't have that kind of passion or kind of drive to push myself fast or hard enough sorry I just made the decision with mum that I was not doing that anymore because I wasn't having fun so I mean I went on for two or three years where I just stuck with it and you know pushed on through even though I hated it but I think yeah I mean the the moral of the story that I just kind of to sum it up a little bit I'll just say like if you hate something don't do it you know mm. if you really don't enjoy what you're doing don't do it because you're going to end up hating it and you'll just end up pushing yourself away from you know the sport or the job or whatever it is that you're doing you just won't like it anymore you'll you'll make excuses not to show up you'll make excuses as to why it's going badly and yeah you just really have to have fun and once you find that thing that you're having fun in and you know that you're really good at then just really believe that this is where you're supposed to be and trust yourself that you will be okay and that you can do that particular sport or job or whatever it is that you're doing yeah absolutely caught i think in this situation too you already had that love for running you knew that you love sprinting but you also could compare it and say look i didn't i didn't love this long um, these long runs. I didn't love the trails. I didn't love the training. And you can see how for some athletes, particularly young ones, when they hate it that much, 
they've then unfortunately lost the sport, you know? So I think it's really important. I'd just love to add to what you said. And I think it's really important for people to, if they're really hating it, to kind of look inwards and think, why are you hating it that much? And is there another element to the sport that you can try? Which is exactly what you did. You went back to what's your bread and butter and that's your sprinting. Fortunately, you've already experienced that prior. So you didn't jump straight into this long distance running and say, I hate it and I'm not a runner and I don't want to run. Yeah. So I think... To sort of summarize where I'm going, you know, really have a chat to the coach, chat to your parents, um, chat to yourself, chat to a sports psychologist and really try to hone in on why do you not like it, particularly because some athletes and I've I've had this experience myself where I've had athletes come to me talking about wanting to leave the sport and it could come down to things like perfectionism. They're not getting it completely done right and exactly how they want to do it or it might come down to things like, you know, the, the pressure from mum and dad but they actually do love the sport. So really hone in and if you really genuinely hate it and there's so many elements that you hate, then that's a whole other story like Court was saying. She genuinely hated it, obviously. <laughs> but if it's other reasons that are kind of pushing you away and it could be things like avoidance or you're not several other things that, you know, you can find solutions to or you can just do, make some simple shifts with, then really question whether you want to leave that sport. Yeah, I think yeah. that that sums it up pretty well, Dom. And I guess just to add on that quickly I think you know don't do it for others you know do it for you you know if that doesn't make you happy and you're not enjoying it don't keep doing it because you know you might want to impress your friends or maybe your mum and dad you don't want to disappoint them or you don't want to let your coach down or whatever it may be I think make sure at the end of the day your choice and your reason why you're not enjoying it is because it's because of your feelings and not others you know do you want to do it do you do you have to do it do you want to do it like what is it that you're doing you know why are you doing it don't just do it because someone told told you you had to yeah totally because what if those people aren't there for one uh we can't control what those people's reactions are going to be like if it's mom dad coach peers other athletes whatever siblings like we can't you can't control how they're going to react and you you might not impress them and that's just the brutal truth you might not impress them you might (laughs) disappoint them or it's about you being impressed with yourself but more than anything i think you hit it on the head it's about you actually enjoying it Mm -hmm. enjoying what you're doing wanting to be there that's it like I think that's really important wanting to be there and I think when you say you know you might not impress you know the people who you you think you might need to impress I mean I've got a particular person in my life which I won't specify too much on but I think that no matter if I represent Australia at the Olympic Games or the Commonwealth Games or win a medal and set a world record I still don't think that that person will be impressed or proud you know I think Mm -hmm. there's still going to be like, well, that you could have done better, you know, why didn't you run faster or or like, yeah, you, you need to, you need to do better. So like, don't do it to impress others. It's just, it's, it's a, it's not a good ending for you or them. And you will just like bury yourself because you'll be trying to run or compete or whatever you're doing for someone else and not for you. And that's just, it never ends well. Yeah. And what's the point in putting yourself through all of that hardship, that hard training, that hard competition, putting your body through the absolute miller the absolute miller the absolute mill for what mm-hmm. what's the point yeah you know it, if it's not for you then what's the point that's it i think that's where it's really important to look inwards and look at what your personal intrinsic motivation is what are you doing that is particularly for you what are your values here that you're achieving in doing that and i think everyone's got a really different story there court before we move on to the third point you did mention that there's a particular person that we won't go into too much detail there but that 
they're maybe never going to be happy for you or you you know you get that impression from that person that no matter what you do it's never going to be enough Mm -hmm. how do you make sure that you actually get unstuck from those sort of (laughs) that sort of voice because for some people that might come into their mind and then that carries through with them they're carrying like a like a heavy luggage bag with them around which says you're actually never going to be good enough no matter what you do so is have you got some sort of strategy that you use or or do you even need to use a strategy does it even bother you what this person thinks or what your interpretation of the of what this person thinks i think it mainly bothers me i would say at major competitions like states nationals um it comes into my mind when i'm under like a lot of pressure pressure that i put on myself and also others like that i feel that others are putting on me but yeah it doesn't really happen when i'm just racing on the weekend or you know wherever it might not be too much pressure but yeah it definitely comes into my mind i think something i mean i never i always thought about it and it wasn't until i found a sports psychologist and i figured out what a sports psychologist is i mean the first time i had any kind of idea what a sports psychologist was and exposure to them was when i went away with the world junior team in 2014 they had a sports psychologist who was part of our team Um, she was a lovely lady and I had no idea what a sports psychologist did. I mean, I came from Alice Springs. No one no one told me what that was and <laughs> I didn't need one. Well, I didn't feel like I needed one when I came over here because I was running so well and everything was going well. But she helped me just like a little bit, like dealing with like family pressure and pressure from the outside. But it wasn't until I found a sports psych a few years ago, like pre-COVID, that I kind of found a little something that helped me kind of refocus, you know, you know when you're at national, when I'm at nationals and you know that thought comes into my head like this person is never gonna you're never gonna be good enough for this person you know they're never gonna be happy if and if I win a medal they're not gonna be happy you kind of grab it you can acknowledge it you can see it I'm not a very visual person but I can still kind of you know feel that come into my mind and then I'm like all right you think about it for a little bit and then you go that's okay that's fine like I acknowledge that that's a thought that I'm having and then you just kind of push it away and you kind of it's like a little cloud you go okay well I've thought about that one so I'm going to push it off now so and it kind of floats away but I mean it'll come back like some another thought of something similar or even the same will come back later like you might have really positive thoughts flowing in and then all of a sudden you'll get this like oh you're not good enough and then you're like oh my god it's back again so you like have to push it away again but I think it's important to still sit with it acknowledge that it comes up because it is a thing and you will you will have those feelings and you know they will pop into your mind because I mean if it didn't you you're not human in my opinion you know it's like nerves if you didn't if you didn't get nervous before a competition then who does it really mean anything to you so you kind of sit with your nerves you acknowledge them and it's the same with the thoughts that come into my mind I sit with it I acknowledge it I think about it briefly and then I I toss it out (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah Uh, I think for listeners who are interested in knowing more about this area this comes under the acceptance commitment therapy banner and what Courtney is basically describing it sounds like a diffusion technique and diffusion diffusion is just a fancy word for allowing thoughts that we get stuck with to come and go and more observe observe it take a step back you know notice like Courtney said with the clouds so the clouds like sort of coming it's going it's you know floating away and yes those negative thoughts can come back in but you're not trying to you're not hooking and holding it and dragging it in and grasping it with your hands or trying to fight it away you're letting it that thought come and go and it's a really nice way to look at it and it's a really human way to look at 
dealing with thoughts. So for those who are interested in knowing more, learning more, we will be doing an episode on that, but have a look at Russ Harris. I'll put a little link below. Russ Harris is the man when it comes to act. He's really funny, lots of really cool analogies and stuff. And that sort of piece is around fusion and diffusion. Yeah. Check out, check out the links below. I know, I know sports psychology, like I know a little bit about your history and and sports psychology and, and it really sounds like you had some major benefits from you know linking in with a sports psychologist on the sunshine coast and then that was carried over to telehealth as well and can you tell us a little bit about what that did for you yeah like i think even just you know going in and having a chat about how the training week has gone like that helped like enormously oh it helped me in so many ways like i think i don't know if i could have figured out all of those strategies and techniques on how to deal with like my my pre-race anxiety pre-race nerves all of that stuff the stress before you race and, and all that without like seeing the psych and i think like hands down it was one of the best things i could have done for my sport and i think i definitely do think that that was one of the big factors that kind of helped me push myself just that little bit further up because i kind of knew how to manage myself i knew what to do could bounce things off my sports psych and we could debrief whenever you know if i needed to and i much prefer face to face than telehealth i think it's just it's much better um you get to actually physically see the person and i feel like you're a bit more well, I think I feel like I'm more vulnerable when I'm actually sitting across from someone rather than on a screen or a telephone. So, yeah, I think, yeah, it was huge. It was massive in my career. I don't have a sports psych at the moment. So um, I definitely want to get back on the, the train and find a good sports psych. So if anyone knows of any good sports psychs, not Dominique, <laughs> um, let me know because I would really like to know because um, I'm pretty keen to kind of get back on that train. Yeah, and just to clarify for those <laughs> I couldn't personally practice as a sports psych or performance psychologist with Courtney because we already work together and we're close friends. So just ethically, you need to be with someone who's neutral. Yeah, I think I should have probably said that because it wasn't as if you weren't a good psychologist. <laughs> I was not implying that. I was definitely not implying that. <laughs> look, look at me defending my ego. How yeah, terrible. Yeah, look at her go. She's like, I am a good psych, but I just can't ethically see her. I'm like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Court. That's really nice and vulnerable of you. And it's so cool that there's, you know, so much less stigma there about psychology in sport. And I think it's come to the to, to the light, really, that, psychology like the mental skills of sport the mental processes are so important and so vital and I particularly as you are stepping up your game because I can imagine from junior to opens is a whole other kettle of fish (laughs) absolutely it's like jumping like from like being down on the bottom of a mountain and jumping up to the top type thing it's massive I think just quickly also on sports psychology or psychology in general I think it's important to also remember that just because you reach out and you're talking to a psych or a sports psych it doesn't mean that something's wrong it doesn't mean that something's going wrong and it doesn't mean that you're struggling it could be that you're going there because you're doing so well but you just need you know, to find that little bit extra, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're weak, that you are struggling, that you have something wrong with you. I think that was kind of, I think it used to be a big stigma on like, oh, I can't go see a psych because like, if, if I see a psych, it means there's something wrong with me or what is everyone going to think because I see a psych and I think it's not really that at all. It's, you're not really
really, you're not going in there because you have something wrong. You know, I didn't go in there because I was something wrong with me. I went in there because I wanted help with bumping up my performance just that little bit more. And if I could get those one percenters, then I would, you know, it wasn't because there's something wrong. So I think that's really important. For sure, Court. I'm really glad that you raised that. Mm-hmm. And I really encourage people to, you know, look look at what they need to work on in a positive manner, as well as just looking at all the areas that they perceive as weakness in themselves. What You know, building their strengths is so important. And sometimes you can just do that with your coach or your assistant coach or managers and things like that. And sometimes you want to do that with someone someone in a confidential private space such as a, as a sports psychologist yeah yeah that's yeah it. anyway we took a really big tangent we and did. i think i think that's because we have literally like three dot points of a skeleton um <laughs> which is your points and we're just rambling on about different areas but that's fun um <laughs> we always do this like we'll be like oh, yeah we've got this plan and then it's like oh no we talked about all this other stuff that we probably didn't need to but anyway everyone they'll love it they'll love it hopefully yeah you had one more point didn't you court i did so my third point and i think it pretty much summarizes like all three of them Mm -hmm. is to just follow your dreams if you were a kid like and not everyone but I know a lot of athletes now so past and present have said as I was a little kid I always would dream about going to the Olympics I wanted to represent my country I always wanted to wear the green and gold and all of this you know dream of it from when you were a little kid and I think if that's something that you truly want to do just follow your dreams if that's something that you think that you can do do it you know I think it's super important to just you know dream big too you know I don't think that you should dream small if your dreams are to represent your country at the Olympic Games or to climb Mount Everest why don't just have a go try and get there and give it a good shot I think the only limits that there really are to a certain extent of course like this is broadly speaking the only real limits that we have are the ones we put on ourselves or the ones that others might put onto onto us and sometimes telling your dreams and goals to others is really great mm-hmm. and sometimes telling other people is not really great <laughs> i think that's just a very human thing as well like there's you know the human comparison but i think something that i find is a really important sorry i'm just ambushing your point here <laughs> it's just something that i'd love to add to that point is that listening to other people sometimes they they put doubts on you because they doubt themselves or maybe they have limits on themselves and those limits potentially have come from a long line of limits from people before them Mm-hmm. You know, who said you're never going to be good enough or you're not great, you're not great or doesn't matter what you do, you'll never make it. All sorts of X, Y, Z, insert next sort of unhelpful thoughts there. Mm-hmm. Comes down the line and of course these people don't probably mean to make you feel really bad or mean to cut your dreams but some people who maybe don't have that willpower or they don't they don't know how to follow those dreams, they might listen to what other people are saying. So I think it's that's just, I just wanted to draw on that a little bit because I think it's really important to come back to you. Like Courtney said, come back to that why of like why am I wanting to do it personally why is this important to me why does it mean everything that I'm going to be one day in green and gold for example yeah yeah I think like it would be kind of like you know if you were if you were standing there in front of your you know younger self what would you tell them you know what would you say to your younger self if they were saying you know I want to go to the Olympics when I'm older what would you say to them would you say no forget it you know in no way or would you go yeah go jump at it try try your hard 
harder because if you don't do it you'll never know and I, I like that kind of analogy of like if you're standing there talking to your younger self what would you tell them what would you mm. honestly tell them it's really powerful when you look at it like that like and then I mean you could look at it from what would you tell your younger self you can also look at it as what would you tell your own kid if your kid was looking at you passionately really wanting to do something yeah. you know are you going to shut them down or are you going to try and support them where you can obviously with what's feasible for you and the resources that you have mm-hmm. and then again you could ask that same question if you can pretend that you're in you know you're elderly you're on your deathbed or you know you're in your last years of life and you ask are you glad that you gave it your all or you ask do you have any regrets mm. did you tick off everything that you wanted to do mm-hmm. and if you're sitting there and you're thinking mm, yeah I would be feeling really bad if I didn't do it mm-hmm. if you had that you have that niggling thought like oh, I wish that I did it yeah you know it's probably that you should do it and then you should look at like what's actually limiting you what's your barriers mm-hmm. what's stopping you to getting to the the one thing you really want yeah that's it I knew I'd get really excited in our, our little interview uh-huh. I thought you would too I knew it <laughs> Courtney, let's go back to you. <laughs> Did you have any uh, extra information you wanted to add to that point? Um, I mean, like, follow your dreams is pretty, like, pretty big. It's pretty self-explanatory. But, I mean, I know you said, like, you know, some people, they don't mean to, you know, ambush your dreams and, like, put limits on you. And I think that, I mean, from my own experience... Some people do actually purposefully want to do that to you and they don't want you to succeed and they genuinely would hate to see you successful. And I think like I had an experience like that when I was, I don't know, again, I was only young and I was representing Alice Springs again. And this particular lady who absolutely hated me, like I don't even know why. I actually do know why. I just kept smashing the (laughs) out of her daughter. But... (laughs) (laughs) She hated that I, you know, would beat her daughter and even her elder daughters, I'd beat them and older daughters, sorry. And, you know, I'd take home, you know, all these trophies, you know, the Alice Springs Athletics Club Day and all this stuff. But anyway, she absolutely just really hated me. And she was in charge of putting paperwork into like on time into the team so that you know you, you had to nominate before a certain date and a certain time anyway this lady decided that oh I'm just not going to put Courtney's paperwork in and you know I'll make it come in late and we wondered oh why haven't we heard anything yet like where why haven't we heard anything like we should have heard something by now because like it's getting ridiculous normally you get a notification straight away like a confirmation it's only a small town but anyway we didn't get one and mum I remember mum calling and like you know she was like well, I don't understand like why we haven't got a confirmation and they said oh we haven't received paperwork and mum's like but I gave it to so and so and they're like oh no well she gave us all the paperwork and yours wasn't there and mum's like we definitely gave it to you and anyway we we later found out that she didn't give the paperwork (laughs) um and so she she purposefully didn't give my paperwork and she just because she thought that if she didn't do that that I wouldn't go and that her daughter would it would open up opportunity for her daughter to do better or maybe she would I don't even remember but maybe she would win and I wouldn't type thing you know even though it wasn't about winning but this particular parent always always wanted her daughter to win and it was terrible I remember her mum absolutely destroying her one day after she raced she was only a little girl and she just ripped her to shreds she was crying and yeah 
so um, I think going back to, you know, people not purposefully doing it, I believe that people will do it on purpose and people will, you know, not want you to succeed. And, you know, after that time, you know, we never gave our paperwork to anyone else. I just directly sent it to all the people who I needed it to go to. And luckily for me, people knew me, people knew my family and they kind of just went, no, it's fine. Like you're going, you're in the team anyway, like it's okay. But, you know, if, it, if we didn't check, well, then I wouldn't have made that team. And then who knows if I would have, where I would have been after that you know I don't know probably was something that opened up a lot of opportunity for me I can't remember that particular competition but yeah I just remember that whole story of the paperwork not being put in and it was this because of this person and that and I was just stressing out I'm like oh my goodness so yeah people do want to do that to you and people people are not nice a lot of people (laughs) in sport are not nice honestly like it's very political like sometimes it comes down to who you know not who you are you know Mm. and she just knew lots of people and you know I was only new to the sport and everything like that. But people are not nice. So <laughs> just, um, yeah. Some people are not Some nice. Some people are not nice. I mean, yeah. I mean, I think I, I'm a bit biased because where I grew up in Alice, I think I had a lot of different people and mm. Other things that kind of just that weren't okay, um, yeah. but that's for another day, I think. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think there's a lot to explore there, and I think with sport, it brings all sorts of ego. It brings all sorts of A-type personality. <laughs> it brings so much competition. Mm-hmm. It brings so much politics, and so uh, it's no surprise that people will, you know, do anything to make it on top or to sabotage. And I think you've obviously experienced so much at such a young age as well and you're so much over there I mean there's so much more I want to explore with you like I mean one thing I did write down before when you were talking is to remind you about Alice Springs and the conditions because I don't think we really touched on that so much at the beginning but what about the track let alone the people um You know, the people were obviously not on your side at times and they were doing anything to sabotage you. But what about what was going on at the track? Yeah, look, you've seen the track, Dom. I know, <laughs> yeah, I have. You know, I've taken you to where I ran for, you know, years and years. And honestly, the track that we ran on was, it was called Head Street Oval. It was on the back of a school and it was just an oval that was a public oval where people could walk their dogs off leash. They put a athletics track on that oval, but they lined it with just like, you know, paint. So they just marked it out and there was a couple long jumps pits with that fake grass on it but the track itself was literally like it was never 400 meters it was either 390 meters or 410 meters it was never 400 <laughs> meters <laughs> the lines were all wobbly you know I don't even oh don't get me started on the track it was terrible but you know it was bumpy there was potholes everywhere it was overgrown sometimes I couldn't even see the lanes like where the lines were like a lot of the time I didn't really know where I was running I was just running where I thought was the track one time I um was running and um I got bit by a dog <laughs> Um, It came up and just bit me on the back of the leg and yeah, I kept running. But like, because it's a dog leash free oval, people just let their dogs run around everywhere. There was people kicking footies across the track. I mean, kids, lots of people were on that oval and yeah, it was, it was terrible. But honestly, I wouldn't change it for the world and I wouldn't take back my time on that track because I think it shaped me into the athlete I am today. It made me harder. It made me stronger. And every time I went from running on that little grass oval to running on tartan I always ran so much faster it was almost like my superpower you know I had the grass track and if I ran faster on the grass track god I knew I was going to run fast on the tartan so you know it was that little bit of kind of like confidence that I could give myself as well but god it was terrible 
Oh, and Court, like Courtney took me out there, as she said. We went out and I really thought she was like making a practical joke. <laughs> I was like, no, it's not. That's not it. Like, take me to the actual track. <laughs> She's like, no, that's it. Yeah. And honestly, it looks like a really unkept, really rubbish oval with just like you described with holes in it. Like, I would not ro- run on it because I feel like I would roll my ankle straight away. Literally. <laughs> literally. And so. we, um, we, we tried, like, you know, I started a – I was only young. I started a petition and sent it into the council with a few other people asking for an athletics track. We wanted to get funding for a tartan track and they always without a doubt would deny it like they just kept Mm. saying nope 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 I think now they've actually got maybe like two or three lanes I could be wrong but it's like a hundred meters on the back straight and that's the only part of the track that's tartan and I don't really understand the point of it but they've got a little bit of tartan Um, yeah. yeah, we fought hard to try and get that track and we never, ever got it. It was just something that the NT government and the Alice Springs Council just didn't seem to believe was necessary. So, yeah, it does look like a dingy little oval where it is overgrown a lot of the time, you know. It's terrible, but, I mean, it may do. It helped and it was a track and I'm glad it was something. Yeah, and it was all everyone. I mean, again, it wasn't the actual place that was important. It was the people who were there and I had lots of people who I knew and, you know, lots of support and other athletes that were always out there as well so that helped as well what i find is really inspiring there and i don't think you're alone at all in this one and that is it's inspiring to see people make something from what they've got and they're not going up they're going i'm going to just have to use what i've got and i'm going to have to do the best that i can and sounds like you came from a real state of gratitude of if i run on this grass track well then and i'm doing really fast on this track well then i'm gonna get on the tartan and i'm gonna Mm -hmm. i'm gonna blast off like rockets <laughs> literally i think it's important to remember that you don't need to have everything to become something you know you don't have to come from a place of wealth you don't have to have everything i think and i might be biased again but i honestly think people who come from rough environments or people who don't have everything or they come from you know rural places or you know in the middle of nowhere and they come through sport i feel like they're bred differently mm. and they are a lot they're a lot tougher and a lot stronger than the city kids and you know the coasty kids like i just they just really don't understand what it's like to absolutely have your very basic staples like you know i had my shoes i had my blocks had my cones i didn't need anything else you know that that's all the matters i could run i didn't need anything else so you didn't need all the fancy stuff and the super shoes and no. yeah all of that sort of no. stuff I, mean, I guess now that those things are bonuses and you're grateful for that too because i see you go through to rebel sports a fair bit court <laughs> <laughs> well like again like again yes i do because you know what for what 17 18 years of my life i had to order shoes via the phone and they took like a month to get to me so <laughs> yes i go to rebel sports and i buy shoes but yes no that's a I need to stop buying shoes, but I love shoes. But yeah, you don't need everything to have something. Just remember that it's not about where you come from. You know, it, it's about, you know, who you are and the type of person you are and really your drive to be something. Those true fighters will make it to the top, Yeah, you know, and sometimes that, that true fight, that true spirit, mm-hmm. that grit, mm-hmm. sometimes that will start to overtake talent. Yeah. If that person has talent, but they're not really grind in a way, they're not really, you know, working with it. They're not really going hard 
hard or working hard. Yeah, I think you could be the most talented person in the whole world, but if you don't work hard, you're never going to get there. And you could be talented, but not super talented. You know, you're good at something and you work hard and then you get, you're better than that person who is extremely talented because they just don't know how to work hard. I just don't think people, people who or kids who have had everything given to them as they're growing up or, you know, come from a place that have everything too much they don't really know how it's like to work hard. Mm, mm, totally. And that doesn't go for all city kids or all coastal no. kids, of course. Like, of, of course, here we're making complete generalizations and sorry to those kids because I'm sure you're amazing kids and do put effort in. It's just what I, I think where Courtney's coming from is she came from a place of hardship in terms of resources, in terms of conditions, the environment. Like you're literally in the middle of nowhere in a desert with no track. And you you rose up to the point where you compete in nationals and you medal in nationals and opens. And that's mm-hmm. a huge, that's a huge feat, huge, huge feat. <laughs> and I think that comes down to, you know, you work so hard and you, you sometimes have to work that extra bit harder. Like respect to that. Court, I know we've been, you know, talking for a fair bit now. <laughs> um, I'd love to know if there's, if you, there's anything else you want to say. <laughs> And it's 10.35 p.m. So I'm, I'm a bit of a nana. I usually like to go to bed by like nine-ish. Um, <laughs> it's been late, yeah. <laughs> You're impacting my sleep routine, Courtney. No, oh, <laughs> I'm kidding. your sleep routine. <laughs> yeah, cool. <laughs> uh, but... Yeah, Court, thank you so much for those awesome tips and that you're so humble in your approach and you're so open and and engaging with your stories and there's so much wisdom and take-home messages there. I think we definitely need to, you know, catch up at least another 15, 16 times. (laughs) Literally. (laughs) I feel like I'm one of those old, wise ladies who have lots of knowledge that I should be giving. Even though I'm not that old, I'm only 26, but I feel like I've got a whole lot of knowledge to give (laughs) (laughs) lived many lives so yeah lived many lives and experiences and still have such a positive outlook sort of um (laughs) sort of (laughs) well this is getting out of hand um If you could just list those three tips again, just to remind the listeners. So my three tips for all you guys would be to, number one, don't let anyone tell you you can't do something because you are capable of anything you set your mind to. Always remember that. Number two would be remember to have fun, believe and trust in yourself and your abilities. And lastly, always follow your dreams. Like we said, you know, what would you tell your younger self if you were staring at that person? Or what would you tell your child? Follow your dreams, follow your passion. Yeah, awesome court they're really really good points and i'm sure you've got many more to share so for those who want to ask courtney specific questions for our next episode please head to either our email address that's listed below admin at out of the box or jump onto our instagram page out of the box performance both linked below and just shoot us a dm we'll collate all of the questions and we'll make sure that we ask courtney those questions as you can see Courtney is really open and honest and she has a lot of experience a lot of expertise in her sport and has some really exciting future in the sport and really cool goals which we haven't touched on right today but we don't have to touch on that ever actually (laughs) let's just say don't be surprised if she's in green and gold next year (laughs) (laughs) or in the near future which is awesome it's super exciting she's worked so hard for that but just to put it in perspective Court's got a lot 
lot of amazing information to share. So if you have any questions, please shoot through. Absolutely. Honestly, you can ask me anything. I'm an open book, so I'll um, endeavor to give you the best answer that I can with from my experience and knowledge. So yeah, ask me anything, absolutely anything. For those who are aspiring athletes who want to go into Courtney's sport of sprinting or want to go into athletics or any other sport, we really hope that you got some insight in today's conversation and we really wish you the best in your sporting journey and we hope that you get those dreams all the dreams that you put out there absolutely fight hard for your dreams guys thanks so much court we'll see you next time thanks for having me bye bye thanks for listening to another episode of out of the box performance podcast if you enjoyed this episode please share it around to catch all the latest from us you can jump on instagram and follow us at out of the box performance thanks again and we'll see you next time